Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Trapping Today podcast. I'm your host Jeremiah Wood. It's great to have you here tuning in and we've got a great show tonight. I'm really excited about it. Lots of things going on, lots of uh, great uh, things to talk about in the trapping world. Uh, The Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z, BROS.com. Great sponsors, really big supporters of the show, and uh, excellent trapping supply company to deal with. You get on that website, check it out, see what they have to offer. Really fast service, good high quality service, great guys to work with. Um, they've got lures, they got traps, uh, books, and DVDs. Really, uh, really fast shipping and, and uh, uh, a really good place. So um, thank them for. Uh, supporting the podcast and uh, let's move on. So tonight, um, again, there's just so many things going on here and I'd love to just sit down for about an hour and just talk about my trap line and we got to do it at some point. But I've been cranking out some interviews and I've been talking to some really interesting people in the trapping world. So I'm excited to bring that to you. And uh, at some point here, we'll we'll get together and, and talk about uh, listener emails and questions and things going on, on my trap line, a bunch of different thoughts, uh, lots of things to cover. Uh, but until then, you can see posts that I make uh, put up on trappingtoday.com. Uh, I've been doing a few DVD reviews and book reviews um, and uh, some news items and stuff. So, so uh, I've been putting a little bit more up there. And there are a few things I, I would love to cover in future episodes. But tonight, I'm really excited. Uh, we have an interview with Garrett Volk from Volk Furs uh, over in North Dakota. And he's going to talk about uh, uh, being a relatively new fur buyer in one of the best areas for coyote pelts uh, in North America. So uh, I'm really excited about that. Got a, got more great interviews coming up. Um, I just did one uh you know, a lot of you have asked about fur grading and understanding different grades of fur, and it's really um, a really confusing topic for a lot of people, myself included. There are just so many different terms and uh, ways that fur is graded, and it's so complex. So I decided to go right to the source and talk to one of the fur graders uh, that's responsible for putting together all this stuff. And I just had an interview with Mark Taylor from Fur Harvesters Auctions over in um, Ontario, Canada. And uh, we we talked for close to an hour on fur grading. It was a really neat conversation and he has a lot of good information. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, you'll, You'll hear that probably in another week or so. And then I just did an interview with John Chagnon from PCS Outdoors and Lennon Lures. And uh, we had a great conversation, a uh, great back and forth there as well. So uh, we got interviews coming, um, lots lots going on in the trapping world, and a, a great interview with Garrett Volk. Thanks so much, Garrett. Uh, I appreciate having, uh, having you on the podcast. And uh, with that, let's get into the interview. Garrett Volk from Volk Furs in Sherwood, North Dakota. How are you doing, Garrett? Good. Good to, good to talk with you. So... Um, you know, a lot of people listening to the podcast have questions about fur quality, buying, uh, selling their fur, you know, how to get the most value for their fur. How do you know what, you know, the different different grades are and everything else. So it's pretty awesome to get a chance to talk with you because you're a fur buyer. Yeah, I, I buy mostly carcass fur in North Dakota, dealing probably 90% with uh, Western Heavy Coyote. So you started... Uh, you started buying fur in 2015? 
Yes, a little bit here and there. We, my brother and I, we buy fur together and we trap together for years. And we decided, you know, we like doing this. And and fur buyers in the country up here in North Dakota are pretty sparse in the last several years. So we decided to start buying fur and get into a little bit more. So now let's step back a little bit. How'd you get into trapping? Well, we're not born into trapping. Uh, a lot of trappers, it seems like we're born into trapping. We were deer hunters uh pheasant hunters for the most part and one year i kind of got an idea you know i want to try trapping so my dad had some old traps from when he was a kid but never really used them so i started that and i went out and set up a like a one and a half on a corner of a fence line and caught a raccoon one night and i'm like wow that was easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i never caught anything for the next two years (laughs) but um yeah and then so then i you know my neighbor uh had a neighbor that was into trapping he moved from another state and kind of got me into it and putting up fur and stuff and and uh that was probably i would say six seven eight years ago and i we always called coyotes for the last probably we always would call coyotes and sell them the carcass never really did too much fur handling and zero trapping so we kind of just got into that and uh the rest is history, I guess. It's something we really enjoy and, and uh, something we're going to do for a very long time. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It seems like when you really get into it, when when the bug bites you, it's really uh, hard to stop. It's addicting. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it must be pretty exciting out there because you are dealing in one of the hottest fur items or the hottest fur item on the market right now, right? Yeah, the Western Heavy Coyote is by far the the, the wild, a wild fur good that's uh, worth the most. Um, it's we have in North Dakota at least the western uh, the western half, probably more northwestern part of North Dakota. Some of the best coyotes in the world, as to compare to like Saskatchewan, Alberta. Uh, there's some highline Montana coyotes that are pretty darn good too. Um, you get in the eastern part of the state, maybe more south and east to North Dakota. You start getting to more of the in-between western heavy to eastern coyote. But for for, for our buying area, our trapping area where we snare, um, the coyotes, get they're about as good as they can get up here. So a lot of people are are probably wondering right now, and I've wondered it for a long time, is, is uh, what is it that makes those coyotes so special because i've got coyotes and i'm here in northern maine and it's really cold here and they prime up and everything and, but there's and there's guys in ohio and you know i got good looking coyote why are those coyotes uh, out west so special the the hair on the the western heavy versus the eastern eastern coyote uh totally different hair uh the, the this it's the softness comes down to the softness yeah. now the eastern coyotes are tend to be quite a bit bigger um and we don't deal with any anything really with eastern coyotes i have dealt with those on the hat making side of my business um which we can talk about a little bit but um the 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 softness uh the color uh the color the color is very pale uh the farther west and north you get from where we're at it's really a pale looking fur um and it's very very dense under fur and very long guard hairs but the, the softness is what really distinguishes in the color between a western heavy and an eastern yeah, it's, it's interesting because if you run your fingers through uh, one of the coyotes we catch here, I always joke that they're, they're kind of like a German shepherd. They get yes. really long, coarse hairs. So uh, it, 
until I was in Montana and I actually handled some of those coyotes, I, I never understood the difference. Um, but yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of difference side by side. I mean, just talking about it, one, one wouldn't think, but we do get a coarse coyote here or there up here, and you can definitely tell when you got on the board, you look at it, you run your fingers through it, and I'm like, yeah, oh, that thing's kind of kind of <laughs> ugly. <laughs> so, so a guy's not going to fool you by shipping coyotes from the east and saying he caught them in North Dakota. No, it's it's pretty pretty telltale. Yeah. You can really tell the difference. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Um, so what are, what are they averaging right now in your area, those those top quality copper? Well, you know, for, for ourselves, you know, there's we, we buy in the carcass mainly uh when we buy fur and we 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 buy between 60 to 70 dollars in the carcass um you know there's there's a there's other buyers that come from out of the state that pay a little bit more uh it's all about all about the demand i mean they you know everybody's going to pay as much as they think they can get away with you know high and and it ranges um you know there's a lot of shot coyotes in north dakota so get a lot of coyote hunters there's a lot of coyote hunters and you know there's still trappers and snaremen around and and those are the ones i really like to buy it from because you know what you're getting for the most part but a lot of the the shot coyotes um you can look i mean you can have a lot of fur slippage uh, there's sometimes there's a lot of work involved in them uh good clean coyotes you know bring the top prices um and another thing we run into here too is there's a lot of since there's a lot of coyote densities in certain part of the states there's a lot of smaller ones a lot of pups and and up until this year the pricing hasn't been reflected too much on the smaller ones um the smaller ones are, are fetching a little less just because the trim makers want want the most strips out of these these coyotes as much as possible so they don't fetch quite as much money but they're still really nice fur and it's really soft and and um so it's it's it varies it you know everybody everybody thinks there's fur is worth everything you know and, and they're, they're every every animal is different and, and that's the nice thing about wild fur there's such a contrast between animals and, and that's what makes it look so nice when you when you start using it um could you tell us a little bit uh more detail about how these coyote pelts are used in the trim industry so the 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 coyote market is pretty much controlled by the Canada Goose Company, and you know you've seen these big, expensive parkas um, ranging from eight hundred to fifteen hundred dollars, where the price range in there. And, and a lot of the coyotes that are that are trim quality are coming from, you know, North Dakota, Montana, Alberta, Saskatchewan. Um, I think some Manitoba coyotes, and those coyotes are used in the trim process of the the tunnel hoods on these these can of goose jackets and if it wasn't for can of goose i don't know if uh, the i don't know if the coyote prices would be so high because that's what uh, the demand is such in these in these jackets that um and that's what's driving these prices and that's kind of how it is they take the the coyote pelts and cut horizontal strips out of them and sew them up and make make them on the edge of these these hoods so, so they're horizontal you mean they're not they're not going along the length of the coyote they're going across. no they make they, they make horizontal strips yeah horizontal cross yeah and and uh, I guess I've been told, and maybe you can verify this, that that having that really fully primed fur is what makes those hairs stand up, makes like the guard hair stand up on the on the hood. Is that right? Right. You need you need the you need you need the, the guard hairs from flank to flank to be a full to be even full all the way across. And so when you start getting you know farther south out of North Dakota, down in that area, South Dakota, you know they might not be the guard hairs might not be 
as tall or as full. Um, and of course, over prime or under prime coyotes, definitely, you know, the rub coyotes, the value goes down quite a bit just because the guard hairs are missing. So in order to have a really nice, full, clean top coyote, uh, there's a lot that goes into it to be able to make in, in that trim in that trim market for that trim market. Yeah, that's really interesting that you mentioned that those horizontal strips because I've noticed like fur buyers are looking on the sides, but you know, yep. And yep. they're kind of watching that. I had one tell me one time, you know, watch the guard hairs all the way down the side and see how this one kind of they kind of fade out and you don't they don't go all the way. Yes, because generally. Generally, you know, you see that when you start to rub a little bit. But at the same time, we've seen this a lot. Is there's some coyotes that we we trap or shoot or snare or even buy that I don't think that fur is ever going to be good. It's just you know, just genetics just or something. Yes, it's just genetics. Uh, we've seen coyotes that were we trap. We usually start trapping in the, in the end of October, uh, second week, end of last two weeks of October is when we start trapping. Yeah. And there's coyotes in years where they've been way better quality the end of October, 1st November than the December 15th coyote. And it's just this, it's for the fact that some coyotes just aren't going to have that heavy, long fur. And, it, and it's just, and they might be older coyotes or younger coyotes. They're just not, never going to have it. You know, it's just yeah. a genetic, a genetic thing. And, uh, but you really look for that long hair throughout the whole, the whole pelt. Yeah. Huh. So, so this is, when you started trapping, do you remember when the otter market was really high? The otter, uh, is that not too uh, i don't know we like i said we don't we just got an otter season up here so otters really is been kind of non-existent for us as far as knowing much about it so yeah so so back uh it must have been seven or eight years ago okay uh, maybe six maybe six years ago otters were going like over a hundred dollars and it, it was an even even otters down in louisiana the southern fur was it would it was just unbelievably high averages and it was a fashion trend you know they were using the market was using that for something specific that was really selling for big money so it's kind of interesting i i think about that in terms of coyote when you said canada goose is like uh you know the the basis for this this market is uh guys have to remember that this may not this high market in coyotes may not last forever you know as things come and go Right, and that's that's kind of what we're waiting for. Um, I had a conversation the other the other day with with, with somebody, and and I'm like, uh, when do you think this market's going to start leveling out, or is it going to stay? I know that you know the Canada Goose Jackets are very popular, and they're they're opening more stores across the world, and but at the same time, there's a lot more coyotes being harvested now because everybody's out trying to get that that top dollar for these coyotes. So, and there are some, I think, some other smaller companies that are trying to use coyotes for their trimming and a lot of uh you know knockoff type coats and stuff like that they're trying to make that i think that also you know drives a little bit of it too so you're definitely seeing a response to the prices and guys getting out and and kill more coyotes in that area yeah i think so i think i think uh you know around here for the most part after deer season was over nobody went outside anymore i think now there's a little bit more of a reason to go out and try to kill some coyotes and make a little bit extra cash and and have some fun and i definitely seen definitely more of a increase in, in coyote hunters especially coyote hunters just because it's so easy to go out and yeah. you know call coyotes and and instead of just getting into trapping and snaring it's more of an investment and more of a learning curve and right exactly so all right yeah that's interesting yeah because you can you know grab a gun and a call and and go yeah even yeah. if you don't you know even if you're not great at it you're not out much if you you know as as opposed to trap coyotes are expensive to get into for trapping 
Yes, they are. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> uh, so, so um, you you probably find yourself sewing up holes in pelts, uh, coyotes that you. Buy. Yes. Yes. Uh, any advice on that? What do you What do you find works well? I just use regular uh, sewing machine thread. Is what I use. Um, a lot of the sewed up coyotes will come out in dressing. Uh, I don't I don't know the exact percentages, but after you sew a coyote up, um, it looks good to the fur buyer. But when that goes through the dressing process, um, those those holes will open up. Okay. Now I think depending on how bad they are or where they're located. I do believe after the fact, I think that they sew up pretty easily to be able to use again. But uh, that, that sew-up job is, is meant to sew it up and sell it and um, make it look presentable for the, to, to the fur buyer. Yeah, but you, you still know if, you gotta, if you've got to sew that up, uh, you've got to pay less, quite a bit less for that animal. Yeah, and it's not only the sewing job. I mean, the sewing just takes time. But uh, you also got to look at the at the the, the condition of the animal. Uh, if it's a b- really big hole with a lot of trauma around the hole, a lot of blood, I would say seventy five percent of the time you're going to have some hair, some fur slippage around that hole. Um, so you're going to have to kind of figure in. Well, if this fur slips, I might be losing twenty five, thirty five dollars on this on this belt when I sell it. Um, and that's that's the biggest thing with with uh, big holes, uh, especially in coyotes. Um, you see people maybe using a little larger caliber, or just not taking care of the the carcass after they after they shoot it, and it you know rolls around the back of their pickup, or it's not hung properly, a lot of blood on it. That blood really gets into those into that leather of the coyote, and it really pools and causes the leather to rot over time. Okay. And once that rots, it gets really black looking, dark red, black looking. Um, you can almost 100% know that you're going to have some fur slippage when it gets to that point. Yeah. Huh. So, so um, thinking of like the things that you've seen, and you're buying a lot of car- a lot of in the round. Um, can you give some advice, like whether it's a hunter or a trapper? Uh, that kills a coyote, what are the best steps to take like between the time they harvest that animal to when it comes to you in order to make sure they don't uh, lower the quality of the pelt? Well, for one thing, uh, hanging it up as soon as you can. Um, Hanging it up, making sure that there's good air around the the carcass so it can cool down. Uh, Everybody talks about green belly uh, and coyotes, and it sets up really fast. I've never had a coyote go bad because of green belly. Yeah, it smells pretty bad, and, and the leather gets pretty gets green, but I've never had hair fall out from green belly. Now, I call I have something called black belly, which is totally different. Okay, what's uh, that? Black belly, I call it, is when you have a pretty heavy wound, um, a lot of blood pools underneath the leather that you cannot see. Uh, shotgun coyotes are worse for, for, are worse for this. I if I didn't ever had to buy a shotgun coyote in my life, I wouldn't hurt my feelings because you never know what you, you you never know what you're going to get with a shotgun coyote. Okay. Um, what what happens with a shotgun coyote is is all those BBs are are so concentrated around an area and it really hurts the leather underneath the fur. You can't see it when you buy it. Uh, and what happens is, is is the coyote might be hung hung properly, but the blood might pool. And when the blood pools underneath the fur and the leather, it causes that leather to get really really rotten basically and when you open one up you can tell that it was probably shot with a shotgun uh, and then you, of course you see a little bbs in the holes um yeah. and what will happen if it, if it hangs for too long or if it doesn't freeze right away you'll start to get that leather deteriorating in the fur you can pull the fur right out 
Um, I, I've seen it happen quite a bit. So the biggest thing is to get to get the coyote hung uh, by the back legs uh, so it can freeze solid and get air around it. Uh, riding in the back of a pickup, you know, in a topper, uh, I see people bring coyotes to me in black garbage bags. I'm like, Ugh, I cringe. <laughs> I cringe. Uh, so I take extra extra care with trying to trying to grade those in the car and see what I have. Uh, but you know, blood management's a big thing. Uh, the, the more blood on the fur, and the longer it stays on there, will deteriorate the fur, the guard hairs, and you and we will have some problems. We've seen some problems with that. Um, so the, the biggest thing is is make your animal look really presentable to the fur buyer. Uh, the fur buyer won't, in, in my eyes, if I see a good presentable animal, uh, there's not a lot of questions that I can ask just because it looks pretty good. But if somebody brings me a coyote that's blood soaked, big holes, fur, you know, missing off the hind cores because it was probably frozen back to pickup, um, you're going to get discounted on it just because there's a lot of risk in buying carcass fur. So yeah, exactly. I, I was going to ask you about that and, and maybe jump to it real quick is uh, grading on the carcass versus grading put up fur. Grading on the carcass is, you know, we buy, we do buy put up fur and we're getting more into it just because around here, there's not a lot of people that put up fur. So we just buy a lot of carcass fur. Yeah. Uh, but we are getting the more put up fur, uh, you know, our names getting out there a lot more and, People are calling us, and we're doing some more grading on put-up fur. And, and, of course, you know, we don't have a direct market overseas. We sell to a, uh, to a company that uh, is a direct provider to the trim makers for Canada Goose. So, we, you know, we have to take a little bit more as far as put-up fur. So, our grading is, you know, we have to be a little conservative with it just because. Yeah, because yeah, if you mess up, I mean, yeah, you yeah. could lose out big time, right? Yeah, and, and that's something I think that the trappers and hunters understand. And some people just want to sell to local local country buyers, and that's great, you know, because that's what we're here, we're here for. But back to the carcass buying. um the carcass buying it can be tough at times uh especially if coyotes are frozen up in the freezer and all curled up and froze solid in a circle you don't know how big they are for sure you don't know if there's any yeah. damage anywhere i don't see a lot of that just because it's more the trappers that do that to have early season coyotes uh usually up here anyway once we hit december 1st even the middle of november usually we're below freezing almost every night so they freeze they, they freeze rather quickly and for the ones that are froze while they're hung and grading those you can see pretty much anything that's wrong with them yeah. um some of the things i look for on a carcass coyote is of course i look for where they're shot it seems like over the years coyotes that are shot in the back half of the animal tend to have a higher risk of first slippage just because of the okay. of the uh the acid in the stomach and yeah. and all the gut type material that could be um something a coyote that's shot in the back leg um and is hung for you know maybe more than a couple weeks and maybe doesn't freeze right away i'll probably have some first slippage around that wound just because it's in the back end now towards the front and the chest area there's not as big as an issue for some reason and i'm not sure why and maybe it's because of the stomach Right, but that—that's where it seems the most. Um, but when I'm looking at the carcass, and of course, if there's a big hole, of course, there's going to be discounted. Um, you know, I don't discount for holes in the face or holes in the in the tail or nothing like that because usually those parts aren't really used. So okay, yeah, that makes sense. You got a little one back there. Yeah, yeah, I have a little one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get two of them. I got, I got, five, oh, yeah. I got five little ones. Do so. you really? Wow. <laughs> Well, they're not a little now, but yeah, I got five of them still at home. So yeah, 
it's busy. <laughs> Needless to say, I don't get to trap as much as I'd like. <laughs> are, are you buying? Uh, is this your full time uh, thing, or do you do something? No, else? Th- no. This is a side. This is a side job. I uh, I buy with my brother, um, and I trap and snare on the side. I'm I work in in information technology industry during my for my day job. So nice, cool. Yeah. So that's why your website looks nice. Well, it's 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 functional, I guess. I'm not I'm not I'm not a graphic I'm not a graphic artist, but uh, it look, it's functional anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so so guys want to get those animals frozen real quick. They don't want to put them in plastic right. bags. No. Um, do you, but but maybe something like a burlap or something to keep them from freezing to uh, the pickup or freezing pulling hair off from being frozen yeah i mean i've used cardboard um okay. cardboard works really well uh put cardboard back like you say it say you know you go out you know calling coyote someday and you know there's going to be blood um put a put a you know, or tarp or something but put a piece of cardboard down the back of the pickup so when you get home if they're frozen just take the cardboard out throw it in the garage or heated area somewhere so it can kind of thaw a little bit and then pull it off you know because yeah. once you start losing those guard hairs uh, you're gonna lose some value just because the hair is gone. So, yeah. Um, anything with br- should people brush them ahead of time, or you'll take care of that? Um, I I will tell you. I ran into some the other day that had a, a quite a few uh, cockleburs. We have a lot of cockleburs up here, and and usually it's not an issue. But if they're really matted uh, with cockleburs, you can try to take them out. Uh, there's really no good way of taking cockleburs out. You just kind of have to take them out, and, and in the end, and see what you have for hair. Yeah. Uh, if they're really, if it's really a mess in the top of the shoulders, um, if you want to, you know, get most value for your cow, you might want to gen- gently try to take them out. Um, it, uh, it, I usually just use a comb. Usually, I just kind of part the hairs on the, around the cockle burr, and then you know, try then comb it out after I got most of them loose. Because you can really take the hair off of a cow trying to comb that out if you get get after it too much so one of those uh those bigger combs with uh, yeah i think some of them look like you know they'll call them like a flea comb or something like that but just uh what's you know those little wire teeth that not not pretty sturdy wire teeth you know the heavier the head it's almost like a it's almost like a curry comb for a horse but not really you know type things yeah i got one of those Um, yeah so in yeah i've always i brushed some of my fur and I'm, I'm comb it and I'm just I'm nervous a lot of times so I'm like am I pulling out too much of this fur so uh so that makes sense you know take they, they will shed do, they will shed I mean I I've you know when you comb it you start combing you see hair come out and, and hair does naturally come out okay you know so but when you start pulling clumps out that's when it's like okay now I gotta either stop or <laughs> <laughs> then we got problems yeah, yeah yeah we do yeah so, uh, so you got guys bring fur into you, and um, you run you run routes um, in, in your buying area. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're we're not the traditional route runner. Um, you know, we live right along the Canadian border. We live two miles from the Canadian border. Oh, so, you really? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I can see you know we can see that the port from where our town is at, and and we're on the edge of nowhere for, for much as far as fur buying. So what I've done over the years is I've really tried to connect with people and, and get to know people and, and here and there word of mouth. And then what I try to do is, is then I'll set up days to run out to an area. Like we ran out to Eastern Montana here a couple weeks, a week ago. So I know people along the way, you know, we say, Hey, we're coming through to pick up some fur and we make, we make a day of it. Um, I do have, uh, I do have some, some days set up to where we go to, 
some of the bigger towns around once or twice every once or once every two weeks to just say we'll be there at, you know in the evening for an hour yeah. and you know once you start to know people and 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 get to, they start following you on facebook or start getting your number and we got flyers hung up and business cards posted um but we don't generally run the big routes as some of the outer staters that come in and do that they come up like every every couple of weeks and run the big routes um for us, it just seems like it's more efficient, you know, knowing not, that, I mean, we're not a huge fur buying company, so we just kind of get to know people, find some people and, and go and, and buy accordingly what they have. Yeah. So if, if someone is, is relatively close, if they just look on your Facebook page, is that the best place to see when you're going to be in an area? Yeah, yeah, I'll post, and I usually say too. If you guys, usually, my biggest thing is, is you know, since we're kind of off the beaten path, if you have fur, we'll come get it. You know, if we'll, you got to make it worth our while and have enough. But you know, if if you uh, have you know half a dozen coyotes or ten coyotes or whatever, we'll we'll come get it. Don't even bring it to us. So we'll just come and get it for you. So yeah, I, I just <laughs> looked up Sherwood, North Dakota, at population two hundred and forty-two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're small, so. <laughs> I like it. I grew up in a town of, of uh, a town similar to that, so I okay, I, I, okay. I know I know what it's like. And since we're and since we're local to the region too, I mean, it's easier for us just to get get in the pickup one day and, and go pick up fur instead of trying to do routes that we're only, you know, we're only two hours from the Montana border anyway. So yeah, um, so it's just easier for us to kind of do it that way. So are you in what what people call the prairie pothole region? No, we're not. We're in the Mouse River Loop, is what you want to call that. What's the that Mouse called? River, Mouth the Mouse River, Mouse, the Mouse River Loop. Okay. Um, it, it, the people that don't live in the state probably know it as the Surus River. Uh, it comes out of Saskatchewan and goes back into into Manitoba, um, and it, it makes a loop down in the United States. Comes down through Minot, a little bit south of there, back up north, up into Manitoba. Okay. And we're and we're predominantly flat farmland where we're at so we do we, all of our trapping is like farmland trapping which is a lot different for coyote trapping than a lot of these other areas around the region that are trapping coyotes you see a lot of people in montana or south dakota you know trapping all these coyotes and it's more that's more of a rolly yes. you know rolly hill now very country yeah and and we're pretty open we don't have many trees up here either but uh you don't have to go very far from where we're at to get in more of the the, the the prairie potholes type um where i work is about an hour and 15 minutes away from where i live and that's more of a prairie pothole kind of a coteau area over there uh and then you go you know a little farther south and it gets more into farmland then you get into the badlands so i mean yeah. it's definitely the western north dakota has a lot of uh different terrain features so but we're we're pretty much flat farmland um with a couple river valleys here or there so yeah right on and do people still go after muskrats in that uh, pothole region? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think quite a bit. Uh, we've been pretty dry the last couple of years, and, and we really, you know, it's really fluctuated, really fluctuates a lot, of course, with the amount of moisture we get. But I do know that there are several out-of-staters that actually come to North Dakota in those high-water years and trap muskrats. I uh, especially yeah, that was something. When I was in Montana, I had a bunch of vacation time built up in my job, and I was like, I was thinking of going to, uh, I think it was, was it Plentywood? montana okay that's yep. up in that corner of the state yep. close to close to you and i that was one of the things i was looking at was i i looked on the map and there's just all these little ponds all over the place and looked like great muskrat trapping and then i talked to some guys and they're like yeah we haven't had rain for a couple of years and there's not yeah it's, it's up and down i mean i i think we've bought 20 muskrats in the last two years oh, <laughs> <laughs> and trapped and trapped a few making muskrat in the spring you know when the ice is yeah. out but 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we more south and south and east of us uh, is gets more prairie pothole. Uh, but we're up where we're at, and I think there's more rat trappers down that area. But as far as rat trapping, that's not you know not not what North Dakota is known for. Yeah, but you don't just buy coyotes. What else do you typically buy? Uh, for us, we see you know we'll see a, a mink once in a while. You know, uh, but mostly it's raccoon and red fox. Uh, a lot of raccoon. The red fox are making a comeback around here. There for years, you you'd never see a red fox. And now you're seeing quite a bit of red fox. So, I think that has to do with the increased coyote harvest. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I think, I think, of course, coyotes and red fox don't necessarily work each other. Um, I think we had a really high population of coyotes probably five years ago, and it's coming down a little bit, especially in the areas where we're at. But I think that the red fox are coming back because of that. Yeah. And uh, the red fox fur up here is is um, not as red as like an eastern red fox but it's it's more it's longer and more feathery it's really a nice fur it's really lighter it's more of a pale and, and like when all the kind of or... yeah right right um and it's really a nice fur it's kind of unique i guess from what i can tell because i've never seen a an eastern red up close until i started making some hats and buying some eastern red you know red fox for some hats and stuff and and it's very um a very different type of fur and it, but it's nice it's it's still pretty nice just because we're so far north and and does it still get that kind of mottled colored toward the back yeah we call it like a frosty i call i call it like a frosty rump okay. um especially on the younger ones a kind of a frosty type yeah it's 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 a, it's, a it, it's not really a color that you can describe no, you know it's, no, just, it's not it's just like it's it's almost just like a like a like a faded type you know faded type orange type red i guess <laughs> yeah yeah so that's unique and are the coons how are the coons up there they must coons be are really thick. they're really nice the only problem we have up here with coons is is once it gets cold they go go away they for go a down, while yeah. so <laughs> and uh if we could catch coons in december up here boy they'd be really nice i mean uh the leather up here in december is is creamy white and and just perfect uh but when you get the cold weathers we were pretty lucky uh we had some coon traps out uh here in December, when it got warm, when we those warm nights, you'd get the big ones running, and, and you'd catch a couple. Um, but the fur up here for raccoon is so nice. Now the color sometimes cannot is kind of the yellowish color. Uh, I don't know if it's just because of the type of coon we have, but that the the, the dense and, and the nap of the fur is really heavy, really long. And um, what I've made some hats out of raccoon, they're really warm. I, I bet you say it might be the warmest hat that I make as a as a raccoon hat from up here. So what's the what's the best color that the market is looking for for coon? They want the silvery lightest, lighter right. silvery type so, okay. coon. Uh, some people I know there's some some people out there right now looking for coon. They don't really care the color. They just want they 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 dye it anyway for trimming. Oh, okay. So the color the color is not very important, but they want the lighter silvery kind of silver silvery end type coon. Yeah. Are there in in it's it was a coat market. Is that still are they still making coats out of coons, or is it kind of going away? From what I understand, is the the coat market coon is more of the southern coon. Okay. Um, it's more of a nicer color, but it's not so heavy. Uh, I couldn't imagine making a, a coat out of a heavy northern coon. I mean, you could you couldn't hardly wear it; it'd be so heavy, probably. <laughs> but it, it'd probably be the warmest be coat warm, you'd ever right? have. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of people forget how warm fur is. It's pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah, I never owned a piece of, of uh, fur clothing until I started making these hats this last spring, and I'll tell you what, it's it's the best. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. So so you that uh, you branched out 
um, after buying fur for several years, and now you've started manufacturing some some things, um, and you started that this spring. Yeah, I, you know, I I got a kind of an idea. I had some, you know, some tanned raccoon I had from a couple of years ago, and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna try to make a hat out of it. I don't know what I'm doing, and <laughs> and uh, like, and I suckered my wife into helping me, and and uh, so we made our first coon hat back in April. It was just like a you know, a, I call a trapper hat with the flaps and everything, and, yeah. you know, full furred. And, and we made on an old sewing machine we had. Well, that didn't really go over too well. So we said, you know, I think we could make a go of this. So I went and we bought a fur sewing machine that sews fur properly. And, and we started making them and made some adjustments along the way and thought, you know, we might be able to sell these and make a little extra money. So we started doing that in, in April, May, we started experimenting with that. And, I think we sold our our first hat uh, in August of this year, and then we just got done making a bunch of Christmas orders this year, last couple of weeks. So it's been pretty busy around here. Uh, so it's been, it's been good. It's it's gave a another uh, another side of the whole fur business thing, and it's fun to do. And it, and when it comes out and looks good, you're you're happy. Yeah, that's awesome. So so you're still uh, playing around with different things. Are you, are you just keeping it the hats right now? Are you doing anything? Uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we do headbands, um, the headbands, Red Fox headbands, uh, sheared beaver headbands. Uh, the headbands are, are getting to be a little popular, getting popular with the women because it's kind of a, a fancier-looking fur article that's not so big and bushy, you know, and heavy. Um, it's nice and simple-looking, so we've done a lot, a lot of headbands. Uh, the hats, of course, we've done uh, gray fox, which is really nice for gray fox, is really nice for it's lightweight but yet warm. Um, we've done some gray fox hats, uh, mostly coyote and raccoon hats, and we also started to work on some um, oversized gauntlet mittens, is what I call them. Okay. Um, there, we made a set, the prototype set out of raccoon, heavy raccoon, and they're meant to go over like a coat because they're oversized, and then they're meant to be worn with like a small knit glove. So basically, when you want to do something, you take the mitt off and yeah do your you know and then they're meant for maybe ice fishermen or people outside a lot you know snowmobilers Be- um, under ice beaver trappers maybe yeah yeah under ice beaver trappers <laughs> the ones that are out there <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just do you know any of those this morning actually <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so uh so we're looking at that kind of stuff um i, I want to maybe get into making some uh i guess my whole thing about making the fur products is I, i'm not into making the fancy you know i'm not a fashionista right so right. i, I want to make a usable you know, article out of fur that people can use every day, you know, something that doesn't look, you know, some people look at fur and like, ah, I don't know. And, and, but something that's usable, like whether you want to go, uh, you know, trap beaver, like you said, out your cold all day long or go ride snowmobile, or maybe you're outside, you know, at hockey all winter and you want something warm. So, you know, I'm trying to make something that's usable. So we're looking at maybe over this, this next summer, you know, maybe doing some type of a vest, you know, maybe some leg warmers, uh, some hand muffs for the for the for the deer hunters out there that sit in a tree stand all all winter long, you know, yeah. to warm their hands, you know, yeah. stuff like that that's usable, that that looks nice, that's warm, and of course it's natural. So how how couldn't you like it? Yeah, there was actually a company up in Canada somewhere that started making these hand quote unquote hand warmers, and mm-hmm. it was just patches of beaver fur, and they're oh. trying to cater to like the ski crowd. Uh, sure. Where, where people, you know, instead of using these you know, throwaway disposable hand warmers, you could use patches of, of, you know, wild, sustainable fur that is reusable and it's super, super warm. 
So it's right, absolutely right. A, a, a good um, item, good utility. Um, and are you, you are you making these? Uh, I, it's got to be hard. You can't. I can't imagine you can make them out of those high dollar coyotes. <laughs> You know, and a high-dollar coyote, we don't make them all the high-dollar coyotes. Um, there's a certain price point in there that, you know, we don't charge a whole lot for our hats. I mean, we still charge. I mean, at a, a coyote hat from us we make is, you know, we charge $250 for the hat. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of labor involved in that, right? Yeah, there's 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 a lot of labor involved in that. And, and we're learning along the way to maybe make it a little bit less labor-intensive. Because we, we sew these all ourselves and... and you know, cut all the patterns. I do all the cutting, designing. My wife does all the sewing. Um, so, you know, we we found a, a fur that's that's definitely warm enough, looks nice, uh, that's durable. You know, some of these softer Western heavies. You know, if a person was really going to use them, might not be so durable if you're really going to use them every day. So we've tried to figure a little bit of that out. Uh, some some types of sections in the coyote might be, you know, a little better than others for maybe a mitten versus a hat or a headband. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a learning process of what. You know the nap. You know the ordinary person has never bought fur. Um, they want something that looks nice and it's warm, of course. Uh, whether it's a fifty dollar coyote or a hundred fifty dollar coyote, they probably wouldn't know the difference. But I just right. want to make something that's usable and and you know economical for both both parties to be able to to, to put it out there for people to buy. You you are making some beaver gloves. Are you going to make any beaver gloves? Yes, I, I, in fact, if I could find some long-haired beaver, I'd love to make some. Do you have any long-haired beaver? Uh, yeah, we get a few of them. <laughs> I can I can probably find a few of those for you. I uh, yeah, we, we I want to make get into making beaver uh, beaver beaver hats and beaver beaver mittens. You know, um, unfortunately for me, they're very cheap. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we have zero beaver around here. There's probably a couple really? in the river, and that's about it. There's not no much kidding. for beaver. No, just no, because not, there's not a lot of timber. No timber there to speak of. There's no timber. I mean, the the, the, the River Valley has a lot of timber. There's a refuge and stuff there, of course. But as far as a big sustainable population, I'm sure you could pretty much trap out the beaver in a year, and they'd probably be gone for a while. So wow, um, that's about the opposite of what we are here. Yeah, it's, that's what I gather. <laughs> <laughs> But I think the beaver fur is, I mean, beaver fur is what opened up the West back in the day for people to, yeah. to trap. And, and, I mean, it's just, it's a tra- traditional fur that that is fun to work with, the little I have worked with. I mean, we worked a lot of sheared beaver, which is really nice. Uh, and it's just, it's just really nice. So that's what kind of want to get into with the beaver. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so do you, do you, maybe we may have to trade, uh, uh, work out a little trade with some beaver pelts for some, some, uh, actually my wife really wants some slippers. <laughs> slippers. Well, those, that, that, those sounds interesting. You yeah. Wanna look into that. Maybe, uh, I don't know if she's a good indicator of the overall market, but she saw somebody wearing some first slippers on TV or something. And she said, I, I keep that in mind for next Christmas. That's what I well, want. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll have to talk again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, uh, getting back to the fur buying, um, do you take any fur by the mail? If somebody wanted to ship any to you? Yeah, generally how I do that. Um, I've, there's been several people inquire about that and I'm like, you know, I'll, it, you know, it's tough to grade, of course, over the pictures or whatever. And I'm like, you know, send me the fur. Um, I'll grade it. And, if you don't like the price, I'll ship it back to you, and I'll pay for the shipping. So I figure it's a fair it's deal, a really and, and fair deal. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, and, and we'll try to make it work. Of course, I, you know, of course, I don't want to pay for the shipping back, and you want to sell your fur, so we'll try to make out a price that works the best. Um, 
so yeah that's you know I'm, I'm open to that and i haven't done it as of yet there's been some inquiries on that but it's still early in the season so i'm sure i'll in the next two months i think there'll be a lot of people trying to sell for in the next couple yeah. months uh, so somebody somebody just go to volkfurs.com and get your address there and shoot you an email yep yep i'm i'm always open um uh, my, my my cell phone number's on there uh, um text or call whenever i mean it's pretty much whenever emails addresses on there i got a facebook page uh that I post a lot of stuff on i also got an instagram page that I post a lot of pictures of uh some trap line pictures and some and some fur hat pictures and stuff like that so yep. um try to try to get a lot of pictures out there people like looking at pictures oh, so. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well great garrett geez I, we've covered a lot of ground here is there anything uh anything that i missed or anything else you want to talk about uh, I think that's, you know, it covers a lot. I mean, I'm sure we could talk for about three hours, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if we get into trapping a little more, man, we could, we could go down a bunch of rabbit holes, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, we could have a part two someday. I'd be up, I'd be up for that. So that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, man, it's, uh, it's been great talking with you and I, I really appreciate you being on. Uh, that's Garrett Volk from Volk Furs, V-O-L-K. Um, and your email address, G-A-R-R-E-T-T. V-O-L-K at srt.com? Yes, that's correct. Awesome. And check out the website, you guys. If, if you uh, uh, have any questions or, or want to do any business uh, in fur. So thanks again, Garrett. Appreciate it. You're welcome.